BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast. Wearing masks has become one of the new flashpoints in education. You may know that in Illinois, it is a statewide mandate already, an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19, not only because children might get seriously ill, but also because students can pass the virus on to older people or those with weakened immunity. In Iowa, a different path. Lawmakers made such mandates illegal, but a court's temporary injunction changed all that and districts statewide are now returning to mask mandates. Such is the case in Davenport, where we talked with Superintendent T.J. Schneckloth in his first extended interview since a 5-2 school board decision to enforce a mask mandate in Davenport. Are you expecting any major problems? Well, what we are planning for is going to look very similar to the way we ended the school year last year. So our students, our students are very familiar with the environment that they'll be walking into on Monday. Well, as you know, one of your board members says, you know, the students isn't the worry, it's the parents. Um, and, and so do you expect much of a confrontation? So whatever comes our way on Monday, we're going we're gonna to approach it with a, with a relationship building mindset. So our community members, whether they're whatever side they're on in this issue, we're going to treat them with respect. We're going to listen. We're going to try and find the middle ground and move forward because our, our school board has spoken. This is the mandate that we have, and we must move forward with it. Now, as you know, of course, Davenport was one of the 10 schools that was listed in the lawsuit uh, claiming that uh, you were violating the rights of uh, disabled students. Was, was the state's mandate to ban mask mandates, so to speak. I mean, did that put you in a tough, a tough position to begin with? This whole situation is a one for anyone to navigate, and schools are at the forefront of that. And so what's, what we do is we follow the laws. So in absence of a law, we, we lean on our public health officials. So the Scott County Health Department, CDC, those guidelines, those are what, absence of a law, that's what we follow. Our local public health department um, at, at the direction of Dr. Katz is highly recommending masking indoors and so does the CDC. School districts, this is outside of our arena. And for many years, we've been leaning on the, uh, our, public, our Scott County Health Department to help us make decisions in similar situations like this. If there's an outbreak, they help us make this decision. They help make recommendations. And so absence of a law, the safe harbor for school districts is exactly that. Lean on, the, lean on the CDC and lean on Scott County Health Department to help make those decisions. And those are the recommendations that are, that are based off the transmission rates in Scott County. 
that our that our health department is recommending for us. There's always the fear that when you get a group of people, even a group of kids, and that's what you're seeing in schools all over the place, is that the chance of being infected is greater. What have you seen now? What are you about three weeks into the school year? I mean, have there been a lot of absentees? Do you notice that perhaps COVID is spreading either among staff or students at this point? Yes, we we have seen the numbers inside of our our, our district. I think our positive cases are at 157 from the start of the school year. Um, our we are at a staff shortage right now. We're having a very difficult time um, covering classes. Now that's that's twofold. One because uh, nationwide there's a teacher shortage, and because of the the rules and expectations that we have in place to prevent the spread uh, of of COVID and other illnesses right now. The teachers are staying home when they're sick and, and taking care of their families when they're sick. And so we are having a difficult time covering our classes. And it has been very difficult for our administration and families to navigate this. It's been very difficult this year so far. And we've talked in the past is that because this is a virus, I mean, if, if you get a cold, you get the sniffles, you're out two days and for a teacher and then you're back. This is much different because of the quarantine after you've been uh, infected, so to speak, or at least tested positive. Exactly. And so. We want to really make sure that we are uh, we are not spreading we're not spreading it inside of our schools and so we have a staff handbook and our staff are doing an excellent job following the handbook but it does put quite constraints on on our school uh personnel that are trying to make sure that our students have a high quality education day by covering well, now we, we've talked about the mask mandate, but we're also looking for perhaps a vaccine mandate. Uh, how does the school district plan on dealing with that? And do you have any idea what the percentage of staff members that are vaccinated is right now? Yeah, unfortunately, we have those numbers. Um, we, we are well equipped to handle um, any kind of vaccination that would come to our community. As you remember last year, we we set up our own clinic. The, the the local health systems allowed us to to run our own vaccination of our staff members, and it went really well. Um, our own we utilized our own nurses and our own nursing staff, and partnered with Genesis to get that done, and it and it worked really well. So we're well equipped if if a vaccine if a vaccine does come out for our elementary age students, we're we're well equipped to to assist in any way. That's that's kind of um, something I'm very proud of Davenport Community School District is that we can really mobilize such a large organization in a short period of time. We've proven that over the last couple of years. I'm very proud of that. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it would seem to me that if it takes masks, if it takes vaccinations, whatever it takes to get the kids in school is what you'll do because you don't want to lose that face time anymore. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. And, and, you know, in our conversations in the past, I've always said you cannot replace face-to-face -face education um, with a teacher in a classroom. And, and, you know, when all else fails, relationships prevail. And that's what's very difficult in these times is to build those really strong relationships because of absenteeism or lack of, of uh, attendance due to the virus, due to the virus. And so I, I uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. Couldn't have said it any better. We, we, we really need our students face to face with our with our teachers and staff. And what efforts are being done this school year in order to make sure that the students catch up? Because I know that you had programs over the summer. Uh, I, I know that you've uh, tried to do more tutoring. You've done whatever you can for those students that had a tough time learning on their own, learning outside the classroom. What's being done this school year? So one of the 
one of the first things that we did is we reviewed our data from last year and we started intervention plans at the first week of school. All of our building leadership teams, they sat down, they looked, they looked at their student data and they put together um, plans for those students that are, that are persistently behind the benchmark and, and hit the ground running right out of the chute. Um, our teams have done a wonderful job reviewing the data. At our high schools, we've immediately hired credit recovery um, staff members and we're, we've built credit recovery labs in each one of our high schools. And we're reviewing students who are behind in credit and ensuring that they get the opportunity to make that credit up. So in each one of our high schools, we, we have staff members that have caseloads of students and they're constantly working with those students to make sure that they get back on track for graduation. These are unprecedented times. How, how do you measure the success of this type of a program? Because like I said, it's only three weeks into the school year. And I, I, I also assume that it's going to be ongoing well into April and May. Absolutely. Actually, it'll be something that we're tracking for several years. Um, you know, the loss of your kindergarten or first grade years are absolutely detrimental. And so what does that look like to make that up? And and every every week, every month that goes by, we learn more about our students, what their needs are, and we're, and we're willing to adjust. At, at the secondary level, you know, we're constantly tracking attendance behavior and grades. And those the ABCs, the, you know, the courses that our students are getting the, or, or, or failing or, or succeeding on, we need to really ensure that they're set up on a path for success. And that's exactly what our, our high school and secondary uh, leaders are looking at right now to track. That unfinished learning, as the, as the Department of Ed is calling it, is exactly what we're trying to ensure that our students get an opportunity to finish that learning. We are midway through uh, September, and of course, that's when the census is being taken as far as uh, school districts are concerned all across uh, the nation, definitely all across Iowa and Davenport as well. What do the census figures show for Davenport schools right now? Well, as you know, the open enrollment change, um, we are seeing uh, due to the change in that law as of, I think, Monday, we've had 157 students open enroll out. Um, one, of the, one of the things that we did last year is looking at our budget for this year, we projected uh, what the enrollment would be. And as we are trending right now, we're very close to what we projected. So we've had a rash of students come back from online learning last year and, and come back to our schools. And then we projected just about, based off of our historical data, the people that request to open and roll out um, at the start of the school year. And so our projections are pretty close. And so um, right now we're still gathering data. We're, we're anticipating that October deadline, as, as you uh, referenced earlier. So we're gathering data, gathering information just to see exactly what the impact of, of COVID is and the open enrollment to Davenport schools. Do you generally know a reason why people have opted out of Davenport schools? Do they have to give a reason? No, they do not have to give a reason. And we, we have some feedback that we are going to be um, collaboratively working with uh, the Department of Ed on to allow us to gather better, better data. Um, so those are some of the things that we're collecting right now to to enter in a collaborative uh, discussion about how to to better move forward with that. Now, of course, Davenport is still under state supervision as far as its operations. Um, when's your next big report, so to speak? When do you get the next big report card from the state? So we we were, were went before the Department of Education and the state school board yesterday, and the interaction was very positive. Uh, the state school board is is, is 
much in favor of, of what's going on in Davenport right now. And the reason is because we're putting systems in place that will last, outlast any human being that's here. Uh, we, we're putting in place uh, systems for reviewing data, um, for setting our budgets. All of those really big infrastructure things that help set, set a district on, on a course for success. And also, we are reviewing exactly what our plan is. So right now, everyone in, in our district knows that our plan is early literacy and implementing a positive behavior, behavior, positive behavior system in this district. And that's the direction that we're going, and all the oars are rowing in that direction. And so all of those signs are very positive. And so our report yesterday was a very positive report, and the feedback that we got from the state school board was very positive. One of the issues, so, of course, had to do with uh, the treatment of minority students. So, so where has the progress been in that area? So the biggest thing that we can do inside of our district for, to, to help disproportionality is to ensure that all of our students can read and that we have a positive behavior system inside of our districts. And so what that means is, it, if are the expectations in all of our buildings clear? When those expectations aren't met, are, do, are we proactive with students? Do we have on-ramps for students that may make a mistake? Instead of just suspending or expelling, do we have a plan for a student to, to get back on track? And so that's what positive behavior intervention system means. And that's exactly what we're implementing in our district. And right now, I'm, I'm proud to say that every single one of our buildings, uh, our building leadership teams, they have met, they have a plan, and, I, and consider that plan uh, as a continuum. So every single one of our buildings has jumped on that continuum and they're heading in the right direction. And so we are closely monitoring that. Um, I would say another positive thing is we have reestablished our, our, our very strong relationship with uh, Mississippi Bend AEA, and they're helping guide us along on that journey. And, and, you know, this is our plan, and we're heading in that direction. Another thing that we've done um, at the direction of, of our school board president, Dan Goza, who, um, who, who has done a wonderful job helping navigate some of these really difficult uh, times that we're in, we, we have established standing meetings with, with LULAC and the NAACP, and we have standing items and we review data with them that we, we get feedback from them. And, and we're going to continue to do those types of, of meetings with our community as we move forward, because that's critical um, to, to move forward, to get our community input. And so we're, we're moving in the right direction by implementing those two main things, which were which is the Davenport plan. And, and we're reaching out to our community groups to help give us feedback. You know, everybody's got blind spots or your own bias. And the more people you uh, introduce your plan to or your course of action to, you really get to examine your blind spots. And so as an organization and as a district, that's the direction that we're heading. TJ Schneckloth, Davenport School Superintendent. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.